Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 28, presented by Homefield and PointsBet and a proud member of the Blue, Pop, Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Ace Anbender, and uh, obviously uh, getting my feet back under me after uh, a week off for the holidays. I am joined today by the entire crew, Alex Cook, Connor Southerd, and Dan, a.k.a. Vic Stauskas. We've got a semifinal to preview in the college football playoff between Michigan and Georgia. We also have uh, a rival program that is uh, maybe coming apart at the seams a little bit to discuss uh, because we like doing that when we have the chance. And uh, we're going to go through uh, some props for Michigan-Georgia to, to finish things off. So um, welcome, everybody. Let's, uh, let's dive into some, some big moods. Uh, Alex, I, I think I want to start with you because it is We'll sort of ramp up uh, towards the football stuff. Yeah, I figured that this uh, podcast would be like 95% football. So um, I wanted to bring 5% basketball. And because the uh, men's team is not doing well, I'm actually going to do some remember a guy content. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a G League basketball game here in Grand Rapids. Uh, the leading scorer for the Grand Rapids Gold, which is the Denver Nuggets affiliate, strangely enough, is Nick Stauskas. Um, so he was the main draw for me. I really wanted to watch Stauskas play. Uh, yeah, leading scorer on the team this year, but he's he's completely different than he used to be. Like Nick Stauskas lives in the weight room now and is super ripped and loves charging towards the basket and throwing up wild layups off the glass. So <laughs> to see him look like that was very disorienting. Um, he was going to be signed by the Raptors to like replace their part of their roster that was, you know, knocked out with, with COVID, which is like a really common thing around pro sports, but uh, unfortunately was not signed potentially because he may have had COVID, but um Here's hoping that Nick makes it back into the uh, the NBA pretty soon. Um, Shondi Brown is playing minutes for the Atlanta Hawks and actually started a game. Um, Xavier Simpson got called up from the OKC G League team, and I actually was checking to see if um, if if Xavier Simpson was going to be called up to the NBA because. I don't know. We could definitely use Jeff Jackson on our team this year. Well, <laughs> uh, let's hope that uh, that X brings some uh, running hook shots to the league. I think people will really enjoy that. The league and, could use uh, more of those. Yeah, for sure. And there were some like other rando Big Ten guys in that G League game. Like Georgie Bizanishvili starts for Grand Rapids, and it's like a really effective offensive uh, small ball five, but can't guard anybody. So that's pretty fun. And uh, Dwayne Washington was actually on the other team, Grand Rapids native, playing for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Tremendous minor league uh, sports team name. Um, he didn't play very well. But, yeah, if you ever want to remember a guy, honestly, you might as well just check out the NBA right now. <laughs> yeah, right decimated, now. <laughs> by, decimated by COVID. Potentially could be a lot of fringe Wolverines finding their way into the league. And, yeah, hopefully Nick joins them soon. It's it's a strange time for the NBA right now, but that is, uh, you know, uh, allowing for us to see some guys, including uh, the return of ISO Joe Johnson, which means uh, maybe Jamal Crawford is next, which I would be all for. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of guys in that vein, Isaiah Thomas, the game I went to, he was um, that was his one game in the G League. He scored 42 points and it's like, yep, this guy's too good to play at this level. <laughs> so he is now in the Lakers uh, retirement home uh, locker room, hopefully going to help them to the playoffs. We'll see. It'd be nice to see him succeed. He's had a, a rough go of it. 
He has. And yeah, the, the home crowd in Grand Rapids loved him and he might've spent like eight hours here total, but yeah, they're never going to forget him. They're going to name the street outside their, uh, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas way. And it not was for the a very impactful one. eight hours. Yeah. Uh, Dan, uh, your big mood is, you know, simple and to the point. Uh, yeah. So, um, over the past, you know, 10 years, basically anytime Michigan uh, was talked about on the national stage, it was in the context of like, you know, can they beat Ohio state or they had just lost to Ohio state and they, you know, it's like, okay, now we know they can't beat Ohio state. And like um, always had a negative tinge to it, never like fully positive. Um, and this past uh, couple of weeks, you know, since they've beaten Ohio state, one of the big 10 selected for the playoff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have just really been soaking in all of the positive media coverage um, if I was a player, the coaches would definitely be like, it's like, you know, don't read your own headlines. Like I'm reading my own headlines. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just watching, like, I'm just watching. I, I never watch just ESPN. Like, you know, if it's not a game, but I've just been watching that, like to hear the, um, the talking heads who I've previously decried. Uh, now, I, now I love them because they're saying nice things about my team. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's really fun. I like, I like uh, having, you know, just like unabashedly positive media coverage. Hopefully that, that keeps going, um, they, you know, when, when they when they beat Georgia and then win the national title and we get a whole offseason of just people saying nice things about Michigan. I like when people say nice <laughs> things about Michigan. <laughs> I decided the media is good now. <laughs> <laughs> I did legitimately like, you know how YouTube TV like shows you a little preview before you you click on a game. Um, yeah, I was like flipping through uh, and whatever bowl game was on yesterday. I don't remember. Um, they all run together. Uh, I wasn't sure whether I was going to click on it. And then when I hovered over it, it showed that it was the halftime show. And I saw a flash of a Michigan uniform was just like click. And I never knew that. <laughs> Cause I, it literally is. I'm, I'm like Pavlov's dog at this point. Like I literally like, if I see them playing like, you know, the, the, the stock Michigan highlights, like during a uh, talk show, I'm just like, Oh, let's see what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like FS2 and you're like, ah, it's Clay Travis, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's so much better to have the bowl game filler content revolve around Michigan's upcoming playoff matchup <laughs> yeah, versus yeah. like say Ohio State versus Clemson or whatever. Right. Yeah, it literally is like every bowl game halftime show is like, let's talk about Michigan and how good they are. I'm like, yay. Like I'm like, <laughs> clapping like a seal. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> in, in between like you know this bowl game really means a lot to these kids they're yeah, saying right like, hmm, yeah michigan versus georgia real uh strength on strength matchup with the wolverines running game in the georgia defense <laughs> sometimes during the literal play-by-play i'm like this is amazing this is like i understand like why ohio state fans and alabama fans have so much fun with this <laughs> um but yeah no i decided that the playoff is actually a perfect system as it exists and uh it shouldn't be changed <laughs> at all <laughs> Don't touch a thing, college football. It's it's great, just as it is right now. Um, my big mood is that I have talked myself into this being a close game. Uh, I've been doing some stat digging, and it, I, we'll get into this more in the Georgia preview, but I think this, is, this has a chance to be a pretty close and relatively um, low-scoring game, and that given – each team's relative strength. There, there are a couple areas where I can see Georgia definitely exploiting Michigan, uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to talk myself into this right now as being close, and that means by Friday, I'm probably going to have talked myself into a lot more, which is why we record these things earlier in the week before I work myself up into uh, saying something I'd regret. Um, but uh, 
I feel like Connor's more in a place where he's just ready to talk some shit. So I'm, I'm going to hand it on over to you, Connor. Uh, yeah, I mean, my take is kind of related to what Dan said, but it's the more more negative, more spiteful version. It's the which is that, uh Yeah, I mean, look, as Michigan fans, uh, we got to this to a point that was, you know, kind of sad where like, you know, the hip national college football media, the kind of people that Ace has as guests on our esteemed podcast, um, found themselves rooting for Michigan. And we're happy for us when we beat Ohio State. And I'm hoping that we can spend the offseason curing them of that because it's our duty as Michigan fans to just be incredibly insufferable and, you know, just sort of strut around declaiming how we're the best at everything. To be that that horrible Michigan man that everyone hates. Uh, that's what we're here for. Right. So it's really nice to see Michigan back in a spot where everyone that cares at all about Michigan is mad at us. Like Ohio State fans are horrendously down bad, which we're going to get to in detail. But, you know, Penn State fans are down bad. Michigan State fans are down bad. Uh, Wisconsin fans are probably too cold to register emotions at the moment. But they're, <laughs> you know, they would be if they could do that. But, like, I, it's just, it's just a nice feeling to, like, be, you know, <laughs> to be able to flaunt it and say, like, yes, you hate us because you ain't us, which, which is what we've been envying Ohio State for years now. Um, and they don't know how to handle not having that, which is beautiful to see. And I will add one thing. And by saying this, I'm like, ironically, you know, I am thinking about Michigan State, you know, by saying this. But I do think it's funny that like two Twitter accounts, one of which is Thick Stauskas, my esteemed co-host, and Scott Bell, literally those two Twitter accounts seem to have convinced all of Michigan State Twitter that the Michigan fan base is obsessing over Michigan State as we get ready to compete for national championship, which is like completely untrue. Uh, Nobody except for Dan and Scott Bell is thinking or talking about Michigan state and maybe me right at the moment, but it's very, very like, this is one of the greatest like troll jobs of an entire part of Twitter I've ever seen. So take a bow, Dan and Scott Bell. Dan, do you have any comment on that? Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I'm always taking a bow. Um, (laughs) I agree that I I've been doing really good posts. Um, No, I, I, I've been totally insufferable. Um, And I, if anyone, you know, here follows me or is listening to this podcast, that's not a Michigan fan. Like I do apologize. Don't apologize. (laughs) I no. it's, I mean, it's, it's like, I feel like I, I I need to separate like my online and like uh, when I'm using my voice, it's, it feels like way meaner to say the things that I say in tweets. Um, so it I feel does, like I need to like, register a little bit more. It, it does really. Like I said, like every once in a while, I'll say something that I tweeted, like, and I'm like, damn, that was really mean. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, thank you, Connor. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm just going to throw in there. You're trying to back away from this take, but I, I urge everyone to go look at Dan's Twitter feed to see what he's been saying about everyone who lives in the South. Um, <laughs> everyone who lives in the South that doesn't follow me on Twitter. Cause I like, I posted something about how I thought everyone had it. Like it was, it's, as I said, everyone without exception that lives South of the Mason Dixon is stupider than everyone that lives North of it. And every, like people were like, I live in South of the Mason Dixon. Like, I'm like, come on, guy. like, it's a joke. <laughs> like I'm not, they have good takes. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. I enjoyed uh, the beef with the Georgia fan where he's like, Hey, the North cheated in the civil war. That's not yeah. fair. Well, god, I was, them. Oh my God. That was, that was, I can't believe he took that. We're getting way off base, but I, he was, he, I can't believe he took that bait because I was like, he was being just like, it was a bad, he, he was like a bad troll attempt. And I'm just like, I just told him like the South lost the civil war. And he actually took the bait. And he's like, nah. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe. <laughs> I really like, oh, wanted to. Lie. 
He refused I, to explain <laughs> how the North cheated, and I really, yeah. really wanted him to He's try blaming to the official. That. It's the zebras. Yeah, the zebras literally. had it in for the South Ace. Very Georgia of him. Um, but yeah, no, I was literally like, I'm like, I felt like I like won the lottery, like with that reply when he said, I'm like, because I was expecting him to be like, you know, it was like, come on, I'm a Georgia fan, like not a like racist or whatever. But apparently, no. Apparently, <laughs> he was willing to go go weigh in on it. Um, so anyway. Uh, speaking of going way in on it, I feel like it's time to discuss, uh, Ohio state and their current status of being down real bad. Um, we've been kicking around talking about this since the Ohio state game, but just haven't really found a point to squeeze in all of the developments that have happened since that game. Um, I feel like we should lead with CJ Stroud's Heisman moment because it, uh, it was one of the funniest things through all this, which is that, I mean, CJ Stroud, a deserving Heisman finalist, put up tremendous numbers this year, had a number of great games, including absolutely lighting Michigan State secondary on fire. And during the Heisman ceremony, which I did not watch because it is way too long and boring, except apparently for this moment, um, CJ Stroud, you know, they ask all of the, various finalists, um, Aiden Hudson included, uh, what their, you know, Heisman moment was. And instead of picking, you know, lighting Michigan State secondary on fire or, you know, something along those lines from having the number one offense in the country all year, uh, CJ Stroud uh, decided to choose a um, rushing touchdown against Michigan that got called back on a holding penalty. And, um, I guess he was trying and like, he said something about like, imagine if this had like been different. And the thing about that play is that Ohio state scored a touchdown later that drive. So other than running a, a few minutes off the, a couple minutes off the clock, that was almost entirely inconsequential. Um, and that is the moment that CJ Stroud chose as his Heisman moment. And it was just like, Someone needed to talk him out of that one. Like he, he needed to run that by a media relations person and they needed to go. That is some loser shit. Don't do that. But instead he did it at the Heisman ceremony. And it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. I just want to clarify, like we're not really shit talking CJ Stroud with that take. Like it's for his own good. Like you don't want to be the athlete who is known for giving quotes like that throughout your yes. career. <laughs> like it's I, I actually strongly suggest that he like reconsider. Um, and also that Ryan Day reconsidered the kind of culture he's building among his young men in Columbus. Look in the mirror, Coach Day. I think they're doing great. I think Ryan Day should, you know, keep on trucking. Yeah, another another item on your list of examples of OSU being down bad, quote unquote, is um Columbus Dispatch and 11 Warriors comparing Ryan Day to John Cooper with who art. Famously, who famously went 2-10 and 1 against Michigan. I mean, meanwhile, Ryan Day hadn't lost a Big Ten game in, what, three years? Something like that. Yeah, that, now he's weird. lost one game, and it's like, oh, no, this is the worst thing ever. Like, our top 10 program that lost to Michigan a lot in the 90s is back. <laughs> I uh, I got to say, like, it's it is a it is surprising the extent to which they were not ready at all to lose a game ever to Michigan. And we've said this before, so I'm not I'm not breaking any new ground here. But um, it feels like they they are like melt. I mean, 
I, I look if you if you look next year like at the Big Ten, right? Like if you if you just put a gun to my head and you're like, hey, like without without doing any research, like who wins the Big Ten next year? I'd Ohio probably State. say Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, like it's 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 that that's like if you said like, oh, who's gonna are, is Ohio State gonna be in the playoff next year? I'd probably be like, yeah, probably, whatever. Like, yeah, it's it, they're the outlook of their program is still incredibly strong. Like, even if there are things wrong with it, I mean, they already you know hired a new defensive coordinator, and you know like. And, and there's, there's probably other assistant coaches that like need to be, you know, let go or, 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 <laughs> yes. or the staff reworked or like recruiting refocused a little bit, but it's like, it's, it's so unbelievable to see them um, melt down in the way that they have and like just go completely doom and gloom on their message boards. Um, it just, it shows that they just like, really had never considered that this was a possibility. Um, and it almost makes like the last nine years worth it um, or 10 years worth it, you know, cause it's just, it's been, it, it, uh, this would not be as sweet if we had like, you know, been kind of like, it, it, it had been like a more even series. Um, this, this definitely is, is way better. <laughs> no, this was definitely, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was worth it, but you know, it, it did make for the most delicious post-game content. Uh, yeah. I don't know if taking all of those L's was worth it either, but no. it did make this one a little bit sweeter right, it than wasn't. it otherwise would have. I spent too many hours of my life at the stands watching Michigan lose to Ohio State. The, the, 2019, the 2019 game was so cold and I'm just like, I'm done with this. I <laughs> I can't handle this anymore, but here we are a little over two years later and we have not lost to Ohio State since then. So it's great. <laughs> so uh, do, do we think that... Um, I, let me let me propose a thought uh, uh, a thought exercise for you guys. Um, seems like a lot of Ohio State players are opting out, you know, which they should they shouldn't play in like a meaningless Rose Bowl, especially as a program of Ohio State standard. You know, not playing in the playoff. Um, a lot of guys deciding they want to opt out and get paid. Um, seems very possible that they could lose to Utah. Feels like Utah is going to be very motivated some of us um, might have money writing on that outcome. <laughs> yeah and uh i mean i'm not gonna write it off yet because ohio state's cl- even with all these opt-outs clearly more talented than utah but utah is going to be way more motivated for this game and i kind of do feel like that could be a factor um and then they start off the year with next year with notre dame a team that's uh you know basically hasn't lost in cincinnati and is you know perennially like a top 10 team um, we could potentially be looking at three straight Ohio State losses. Um, I don't want to get too great greedy yet, but like it's realistic. Um, if if they lose those three games, do you think like there will be a, a popular outcry to fire Ryan Day? Oh, yeah, I thought you were going to say kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're on the verge, like they're getting close to it, right? Like that John Cooper painting that the Columbus Dispatch did was also an 11 Warriors. It's like them flirting with that. And it's interesting because there's still a lot of worshipfulness of Day in Ohio State. So people that are taking a sober look at Day are already starting to say, like, yeah, he's not Urban Meyer or most likely not Jim Tressel. And, like, if you're, a, if you're a reasonable Ohio State fan, you would say, that's okay. We can't expect to always have, like, one of our greatest coaches here at any given moment. But in case you guys haven't noticed, Ohio State fans are not reasonable. And I think one thing we saw this year with, like, with Clemson – uh, we see with LSU the last couple of years too, like you can recruit at the level that Ohio state does and still go, you know, nine and three or worse if you're LSU sometimes. And if they go nine and three next year, people are going to be losing their minds down there and they will definitely be calling for day's head. I promise you. I feel like the floor is still super high for them. And to your yes. point about the talent and the opt-outs, like 
So they've lost two first round NFL receivers that are not playing in the Rose Bowl that did play in the Michigan game. And that was their last college contest, which is fun to think about. But I mean, they're still going to have the best receivers that Utah has seen all year by a mile between JSN and a bunch of five stars who were blocked from playing time before. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, overall, the program is still very strong, which is why it's so funny to see this epic meltdown about like, oh, no, Ryan Day might be Larry Coker, which I guess there's a chance. But the fact that they demoted Kerry Coombs after a week two loss and replaced him like as soon as they possibly could says to me that, you know, that standard of mediocrity, at, you know, eight or nine wins probably not going to fly there. And I do wonder if day would be interested in coaching in the pros and if that opportunity is available to him, if he would take it, but yeah, the, the fan meltdown is, is just great. Um, as for other items on your list that I wanted to talk about, uh, you're asking if we ever talked about Buckeye Scoop bringing back Kirk Barton, which I don't think we had. <laughs> I don't but think we talked about it. <laughs> Listeners of and the we show will recall portion of that episode yeah. to that whole saga. <laughs> <laughs> Just hilarious malfeasance as a proprietor of Buckeye Scoop. And... He was stealing from the company, like straight up. Well, they. Allegedly. Guys, they have to bring him back because he lost all that money when Quinn Ewers kept the custom truck. That he had, right? <laughs> I'm glad you worked another item into it. We're going to we got a two for one here. Did you did you see him? Um, did you see his tweet about how uh, that play uh, where Aiden Hutchinson ran over uh, Thayer Munford or whatever the oh, yeah. tackle's name was? He was like, "Oh no, uh, his 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 foot got caught in the turf. That happens." I was like, <laughs> You are like, why would you even, why would you post that? Like, even if you think that's true, which like, I don't know, man, like it's possible. Right. I mean, he could, he could have like tripped or whatever, yeah, but, but the rest like, of the game was some pretty still, good evidence. Yeah, that he was Right. Exactly. It's, it's just such a ridiculous thing to tweet. It's like, they clearly, like they were so not used to losing on every level. Like they couldn't accept any level of like, you know, of, of uh, humility and are now being just like forced to, you know, take it all. It, it rules that that guy specifically, I'm glad uh, is having a terrible year. Do you know who also just ha- has learned that he cannot handle losing in any form and uh, apparently does uh, some pretty wild things when uh, when faced with it? Urban Meyer, who kicked a guy, specifically the kicker, and then got fired with cause by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if that's a preview of like, how late stage post Urban Meyer stuff goes. I'm extremely here for it. You know, after the headlines and after the headlines in the preseason, I'm a little disappointed. We didn't actually follow through with our, when is Urban Meyer getting fired pool? Because mm. week 15 of season one, like that's a, yeah, pretty ambitious target. And he hit it. He passed with flying colors. He's not going to, might not get any of the buyout. I just wish that um, when he kicked that kicker, the guy had just kicked him back and, like, you know, <laughs> knocked this just old guy. shattered his here. leg. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been pretty funny. I think it's, like, it, it's one of those things where it's, like, you, sh- you should get fired if you're kicking your players in, yes. like, a malicious way to harass them. But, uh, you know, like, the cause, like, I said this way back, you know, earlier, like, the problem with the whole saga of Urban being, shall we say, filmed while out on the town in Columbus the problem for football guys and like football owners with that was not that he was like openly, you know, uh, <laughs> committing, shall we say, infidelities. It was that, that like they had just lost a game and didn't fly back with the team. And at that point they had like, 
you know, not only is the team bad, but they've proven that Urban Meyer does not care enough about football stuff, which is pretty funny given his persona for most of his career of being the guy who's like a real hard ass about football stuff. It's just funny in general. I, uh, I, so I was actually on, um, uh another another podcast i recently just uh actually recorded today with um the house divided guys um they they asked me to come on but uh we were talking about urban meyer and one of them said like what like he, he referred to urban meyer as a mormon and i was like wait no stop that's not true like he's not and he's not but it was really funny uh for a second to think about urban <laughs> meyer being a mormon um he got he got that confused with him like being uh being from utah and i was just I'm like, I, that was like in my head canon for a couple of minutes. Um, he, he's like, just Paul and he's not Mormon. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. He definitely does have multiple wives. Um. <laughs> uh, man, uh, God, that that's bringing too much of the group chat into the podcast if I go farther down that road. Uh, pivoting, <laughs> pivoting, pivoting. Um. Can I... Can I get one in about, uh, about um, I, I appreciate that flipping the field um, shouted us out. Uh, I, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I did catch part of the segment where Ryan Donnelly, who's a Buckeyes fan, uh, said that Michigan is like a program that has jumped up beyond its station and will be put in its place by Georgia or whatever it was he said. And I, I again, I want to say with full magnanimity, I really do appreciate that we're, that we're being, uh, you know, reference on such a great college football podcast. And I just want to say that there would be nothing that would more firmly indicate that Michigan had reached a place of perfect parity and evenness with the Buckeyes program than winning the Big Ten and then going and losing badly to a team from the South in the college football <laughs> playoff. <laughs> I mean, we honestly, really can't like, lose, baby. <laughs> I've, I've been advocating this for a long time, that the Big Ten should withdraw from college football playoff consideration. Um, the, I feel like we, I want to like drag Ohio state back down to the, uh, 10 year war days where we just, uh, we play each other for Rose bowls. And whenever we get on a national stage, we get like smoked by USC or Alabama or whatever. Ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I unironically want that to come back. The only thing that should matter are big 10 titles. Um, we're going to, we're going to drag Ohio state back down. Like it, if, if it, if it kills us, like this is, this is where we belong. Like we belong like beating the crap out of lesser big 10 teams and then losing on a national stage. Like this is, this is our station in life and Ohio state has flown too close to the sun and, and we're here to bring them back down. Oh man. Good times. Um, anything else on the Buckeyes? Before we turn our <laughs> turn our case to the actual semifinal after like forty minutes, <laughs> uh, you put this on the item list. I just want to say it remains. You can't say this enough. It remains extremely funny that the Midwestern, actually the Northern powerhouse of the last twenty years, the best non-Southern team in culture of the last twenty years, was so mad that it was snowing. It's <laughs> <That game. laughs> true. There have been multiple oh, quotes yeah. citing the Which, snow and the cold. And it's like, first of all, I'm pretty sure Michigan also played the same weather. And second of all, did, did it stop? Did, did, did Columbus's climate change in the last oh, two years? It's like, oh, boo-hoo. Like, I, I, have a, I have a powerhouse football team in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I built my entire offense around constantly passing the ball and having zero rushing attack. Like, who could have ever possibly seen this coming? Like, it's just so... Yeah, no, that one. And also it was not even, it was not accumulating on the ground and it was like, not, it was just windy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's, 
it, that that was that was really great. I mean, it was not even like one of the monsoon games that you know that that have, that have happened. You know, it, that always has sent team that we've been praying for games. for a decade. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway. Yeah. No. Good. Good call, out, Connor. Yeah. We we wanted a weather game, and that was not a weather game. Uh, and Michigan still won. So uh, eat it. Um, we are sponsored by, <laughs> as always, by Homefield Apparel. Uh, for whom we always, uh, you know, transition beautifully into the live ad read. Um, use the promo code Bucket Problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. I was very popular with my family by uh, giving out crewnecks this week, uh, including a uh, Vermont crewneck to my mom, uh, because uh, first of all, the mascot is uh, just fantastic. And also she has uh, family and dear friends out there and it's nice to be able to find little connections through the uh, approximately 4 billion schools available on home field. Notably, Ohio State is not one of them. Um, and then, uh, you know, my mom came back over uh, to drop some things off a couple of days after Christmas. And uh, she took one look at me in my uh, Michigan hoodie. Um, the recent black M with the Wolverine over it uh, one that, uh, Homefield came out with, and she said, "You know, you can get me one of those too." <laughs> so the good thing is, Homefield makes shopping easy. Uh, the bad news is, um, you might get pressured into shopping before you're ready to do so. Um, but yeah, shop at Homefield. It'll it'll make your parents uh, look at what you're wearing and go, um, "I would like that too." Um, so you can dress like your parents, which is extremely cool, right? Um, homefield.com, homefieldapparel.com. Dress like your parents or make your parents dress like you, one or the other. On to Georgia, I guess. Um, we should start by saying that um, there are COVID-related rumors uh, around both teams. Um, Georgia's uh, most talented receiver, George Pickens, was uh, apparently had COVID and wasn't in Miami when the team initially went down and now has clear protocol and is down with the team. There is a uh, report from Chris Ballas of the Wolverine that Dax Hill did not make the trip. Sam Webb has motioned towards the possibility that Hill could still play, um, but it sounds like that is very much in question. Sounds like he'd have to pass some COVID tests, but the good news is that uh, I'm you know, the team has said there's, you know, not only a hundred percent vaccination rate, but I think they took the booster shot as a team. Um, so hopefully, uh, he can get cleared by Friday, but we don't know who's going to play in this game. This is pandemic football. Um, I mean, we've had a number of bowl games canceled, so, uh, um, I don't know if or how big a factor COVID is going to play in this game. Nobody really does, but, uh, we're all going to find about out about that one together. Yeah, what I'm going to say about that is that um, I am getting the sense that uh, both of all four of these programs have gotten um, some sort. This is just like, by the way, this is not like any level of like insider info. This is just speculation based on like how I feel that that things are going. I feel as though these programs have gotten some kind of like go ahead to uh, only like only test symptomatic players or like the testing is being like done in such a way that like it's giving the, the teams the maximum amount of leeway 
um, because it seems like we're not hearing like a lot of positive COVID about a lot of positive COVID tests, and it feels like the NCA really wants these games to you know go ahead as scheduled. Oh, um, that 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 goes without saying. Um, and so I believe that both teams will have like a, at least one or two players like out. Um, and it's that's just something we're going to have to deal with, but I kind of think that they're going to like really push to, you know, get everyone that they could possibly get eligible, eligible, um, read into that what you will. Yeah. You know, college football, it makes you feel a certain way. <laughs> um, we're going to start with Michigan's offense versus Georgia's defense. Uh, that is the matchup that I think is getting the most focus heading into this game. Georgia obviously has the number one defense in the country by a considerable margin. Um, Michigan's offense is good, but not great. Um, although came on quite strong at the end of the year. Um, but the general assumption is that Michigan is going to struggle to score more than one or two touchdowns. And when you look at Georgia's defense front to back, um, it does appear like it's very much going to be a struggle. That said, Georgia also hasn't played a lot of teams this year that are good. Um, now, that also applies whenever Michigan ventures outside of the Big Ten East. Um, but uh, Georgia's only played two top 10 uh, SP plus offenses, um, none between 8 and 21 and only a few between the twenties and the fifties. Um, so they're, I mean, they're, they've put up amazing numbers. I do not think that their defensive standing is a fluke, uh, but there, once you take out sacks, there have been multiple teams that have been able to at least crack four yards carry on them and, and move the ball with some effectiveness that has included UAB and Florida. So it's not just Alabama. Uh, that has been able to do that. Um, they lost their number one pass rusher uh, after eight games. And while they've generated about the same amount of pressure, they haven't converted as many of those pressures into sacks. Um, at the same time, they're incredible at preventing explosive plays. They're a, a better pass rushing group than Michigan, despite uh, not having anybody over five sacks on the season. Uh, they have 41 sacks in 13 games. Um, and other than the Alabama game, they've been tremendously dominant. So I guess we should start with, like, do we feel like Michigan is going to be able to run the ball on these guys? Because if they can't do that, then this is over before it starts. So I, I want to jump in and say that I, I do think in general terms, Michigan's offense is a little bit underrated. Obviously, I'm a huge homer and the optimist of this podcast, but it is worth saying that Michigan has been an offensive juggernaut basically since Eric all streaked down the sideline at happy Valley. I mean, this offense has been unstoppable and, you know, Maryland's offense is bad. Ohio state's offense is talented, but pretty bad. Iowa has a very good off, uh, sorry, defense rather, um, you know, according to the fancy stats and everything. And I just think Michigan has looked quite good. And one of the reasons is they've been able to, They've done certain things really well all year, like avoid sacks and avoid turnovers. They've also installed so much stuff that they run extremely well. They probably have the most varied run game in the country. And partly for that reason, and also because Michigan did win the award for best offensive line. And despite what PFF thinks very puzzlingly, I think Michigan probably does have the best offensive line this year. Um, 
I do think Michigan will be one of the more successful teams moving the ball on the ground against Georgia, just because I, you know, if anyone can do it, it's Michigan. And then I think it'll be a little bit better than the haters think, but I'm not going to put a number to that. Yeah. I think that, um, so let me be clear that I, uh, oh, let me be clear. Uh, let me be clear that um, I think that uh, Georgia's defense is pretty clearly uh, the best defense in the country. Um, and it's maybe even, you know, a, a quote unquote generational defense, but I do believe they kind of have the Don Brown thing going where, um, and not, not schematically like if they're, they, they run a real defense, not a defense for babies that Don <laughs> Brown ran. Um, but, um, waiting for that. But they, they, they run a real defense, but like they kind of have that thing going where Don Brown's defenses were very, very good. Um, in their totality and even, you know, against better teams, like they, they held their own, but um, they, you get points in SP plus. I think you get an, an out, you get an outsized amount of credit in SP plus, And this is the way it has to work. Like I, I'm not, I'm not uh, disparaging Bill Connolly for this, um, but uh, you get an outweighed amount of credit for like curb stomping bad teams um, in terms of like just holding their success rate to like zero for teams that like simply can't even like touch your athletes. Um, and I think that's kind of what's going on with Georgia's defense in that. I think that it is maybe it is the best, I think it's the best defense in the country, but I think it's maybe not the best defense in the country by as wide a margin as the metrics tend to think. Um, and I could totally crawl on that. Like there's absolutely a, uh, there is 100% a universe um, might even be this one that uh, Michigan like gets totally shut out um, or scores like three points. Um, and I could eat crow on this, but I kind of think that like, this is a defense that is, is susceptible. Like it's not impenetrable. Um, and I feel that uh, it's just a matter of like, I think that they will win the matchup overall with Michigan's offense. But I also think that like, Long preparation times tend to favor offenses. You can draw more stuff up. Um, Josh Gaddis has done a really good job game planning pretty much the entire year, um, save like one or two games here or there. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, ultimately, like I, I think Michigan can play with this defense. Um, it's just a matter of like, you know, how often they win um, and, and or like whether this is like a, uh, you know, 14 points or 24 points. Um, the difference there might be like, you know, uh, receivers making, you know, a handful of really good plays or, or you know, uh, some incredible runs by Haskins, et cetera, et cetera. So it does. Yeah, back to like... your original question, Ace, I feel like Michigan is going to have a tough time running on the Georgia defense, um, at least in terms of like a consistent down by down basis. Like it's not going to be like the Ohio State game where Haskins was ripping off runs seven or eight yards at a time, at least. Um Michigan really likes to run power. They really have a big offensive line, but Georgia's front seven is by far the most talented that Michigan's seen. Michigan's seen some good run defenses between Wisconsin and Iowa, um, but I think ultimately those wins are going to have to come from the passing game. Um, J.J. McCarthy could be an interesting option to add another dimension to the running game, and I think Michigan will rip off a couple of big first down runs, but um, it's going to have to come through the air, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, the way that I look at this is that I hate to say this because it sounds like a lazy TV guy who hasn't done his research take, but the more that I learn about these this matchup, the more I'm like, it really might come down to Cade McNamara versus Stetson Bennett. Um, 
if you know if Kate can play this one of his better be the worst games. Thing in the world. <laughs> no, I and I think like the, the key thing with Kate is if Kate has a typical game, a typical game for him is one in which he doesn't get sacked and doesn't turn it over. That would be huge, first of all. Like just avoiding negative plays is one of the huge biggest reasons that I believe in this Michigan offense. They don't do catastrophically bad things almost ever. Um, I will also say that the X factor for me and the thing that'll be really interesting is I know Michigan's going to come in with some really interesting trick plays and those trick plays might be their best chances, chances at explosive plays. If they can bust off like a long touchdown or something on, yeah, like a halfback pass or just the standard flea flicker they've been running or whatever new stuff we haven't seen yet, that could actually be a tremendous X factor in this game and something I'm really interested in. Absolutely. I mean, I, it's it's very hard for me looking at this game and trying to break it down because there are personnel things with Georgia's defense, specifically with Adam Anderson no longer on the team. Um, I can't tell whether their drop-off in sack rate, which was almost entirely them converting zero of their 18 pressures against Alabama into sacks, um, is missing him as a finisher or if that's just the product of going against Bryce young in a game. Um, meanwhile, by far their best pass rush performance since Anderson has been out came against Tennessee, um, which is 123rd in the country in opponent sack rate. So their, their schedule is littered with, uh, pretty flawed opponents. Obviously that's kind of the case with every college football program to a certain extent, but, um, I'm just having a, a, a kind of tough time getting a great read on this team. Other than that, obviously the personnel is very good. I, I love their safeties. Um, Jordan Davis is tremendous as, as an interior lineman, probably the best interior defensive lineman in the country. Um, Nicobe Dean is going to be the best linebacker that Michigan has faced this year. The, in, the individual talent um, is sick. Um Put but, some respect on Steel Chamber's name, Ace. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, it's it's. I I just I I think Michigan might be able to get a little something going. Florida had some set success, both just with a relatively straightforward running attack and also um, popping some wheel routes against Georgia out the backside with either a tight end or a running back. Uh, I think Alabama had some success doing that as well although a lot of what they did offensively was get the ball to Jamison Williams and Michigan does not have a Jamison Williams in their receiving core. Um, Michigan also doesn't have a Bryce Young under center, which I think, you know, as we look at Georgia being dominant against 12 teams and then getting exposed by one team, it is worth noting that the one team had the Heisman winner at quarterback. That That is a very fair point. Um, I would say that Michigan has a better rushing attack than Alabama, which uh, sounds wild until – you look at what each team has done this year. Um, yeah, and Michigan's quarterback position is better than the average or the median offense that Georgia faced. I mean, the second best offense that Georgia has faced by SP Plus, and it's not close, is Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee, an explosive but extremely chaotic offense versus check down Cade and a so very stable they're susceptible to be to to uh being getting got by michigan men like uh joe milton um <laughs> yeah I, I don't think he, he definitely didn't play in that game but uh, I, anyway. I think all of their quarterbacks i think all three tennessee quarterbacks played the game <laughs> they were yeah, scrambling I think, it's, 
I think you noted this in the show notes that like where Georgia has been vulnerable a little bit is intermediate passing. And Michigan does that extremely well, whether it's designed routes for running backs, dumping off to running backs on checkdowns. Or, I mean, Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker could be huge in this game, potentially. I and mean, this, this game could actually be one of the great tight end battles we've seen in college football. Um, we'll get to that with Georgia. Yeah, there is something to be said for what Michigan can do over the middle against this team in the quick passing game. I think there there is going to be some opportunity there. And the question is whether they can uh, keep McNamara clean, uh, which... I don't know. It, it both encourages me and scares me that Georgia doesn't really have one guy that you can pick out to, to block. Um, you know, like with Michigan, the focus is like, okay, you got to stop the edge rushers. And uh, with Georgia, it's like, okay, they, they have over 40 sacks and like nobody has more than five. So who are we focused on here exactly? Yeah. So, so my, my last take I would say is that just like, um, I think that I, a lot of what Alabama was able to do was Bryce Young buying time and then hitting the holes in in uh, in Georgia's pattern matching zone. Um, and Michigan's not going to be able to. Uh, I mean, you know, Cade McNamara is not going to buy time in the way Bryce Young bought time. If they want to somewhat replicate that game plan, they need to replace like Bryce Young buying time with the offensive line just holding up really well, which I think is possible. It's just going to depend on. Um, you know, it's 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 going to depend on uh, the fact that this is probably the best. I don't know if it's the best pass rush they've seen all year because I don't know if it's better. But like, I mean, definitely athlete wise, right? Like at least interior. Uh, this is these are going to be the most dynamic interior pass rushers they've played. So it's it that's a big question mark. You know, it's like this is it's a thing where like yeah, Michigan's offensive line might be the best in the country, maybe is the best in the country. But um, it's sort of a different level. This is a different level of challenge. You know, most years you could say, oh, Ohio State's somewhat on that level, but it, they're really not this year, obviously. And uh, Georgia is, you know, like maybe on another level from anyone in the country. So it's, it's, it's a different animal type thing. Yeah, because Michigan, I mean, a lot of the way they've been able to keep uh, opponents from sacking the quarterback is just by getting the ball out very quickly. And that requires having somebody open and Georgia is exceptional in coverage. So, I, I mean, there is some worry here that, you know, if McNamara isn't able to get the ball out quickly, that this could be, you know, Michigan's, it's going to be Michigan's toughest game in terms of what they're facing on offense. But um, if it results in more seriously negative plays than Michigan has experienced this year, it's going to be tough to, overcome that with the way this offense is constructed. Yeah. Michigan's going to need to beat them one-on-one on on the outside a little bit. And I think Donovan Edwards emerging over the course of November is something that, you know, if Michigan's receivers aren't beating Georgia's cornerbacks, you get Donovan Edwards matched up on a linebacker. That's, you know, Georgia is obviously like we've been saying a very athletic defense, but that's an area where Michigan could win and, you know, potentially get the ball out quickly if they can't hold up to attack the zones downfield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that mostly covers what Michigan is going to be able to is going to try to do against Georgia. I mean, hopefully they'll be able to establish the run and get some quick hitting stuff. And you know, nobody's expecting Michigan to score thirty plus here. I don't think, but you know, just avoid turnovers, uh, avoid seriously negative plays. Hope you can crank out four, four and a half yards a run. And then 
maybe get a big player two in the passing game that, um, or maybe spring spring Blake Corm or something in the run game, something um, where you don't have to grind out a, a few 12 play drives against Georgia's defense. Cause that's going to be a very difficult task. Uh, but on the flip side, I also think Georgia is going to have a rather tough task scoring against Michigan's defense. Um, and that's what we should talk about right now. Uh, we have already mentioned George Pickens, uh, who is, I believe, a former five-star recruit and um, a potential early-round NFL draft pick. He missed every game up until the season finale with uh, a knee injury he suffered in the offseason. He came back against Georgia Tech, didn't play much, didn't do much, uh, caught one deep ball against Alabama, was otherwise rather quiet. But th- this is going to be an opportunity for him to um, be more of a full go than he'd been in the last couple of games. And he when he's on top of his game, he's, I would say, probably on the level of Ohio State's receivers. He is an exceptional talent. Now, Michigan has shown that they can shut that, those guys down, but um, Georgia features, as we alluded to earlier, um, both the the best number one tight end that Michigan has faced all season in Brock Bowers, uh, who is also their leading receiver and had over 130 yards and a touchdown on 10 catches against Alabama. Uh, they also have the best number two tight end that Michigan has faced in former five-star recruit Darnell Washington, uh, who's missed a few games this year, but um, has been very effective as both a blocker and uh, secondary receiving target. Uh, that's where I kind of want to start because I think Michigan is going to have to uh, put their corners on islands um, and try to focus a lot of their coverage on kind of the middle of the field, the the, and especially these tight ends, especially Bowers, because he's a game wrecker. And the weak point in this defense is the linebackers in cover. So I think Michigan's going to have to give them a little bit of help. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Michigan can get pressure with four, because that would allow them to drop more people into coverage and potentially play zone over the middle of the field. I agree that the corners are going to be tested one-on-one, but um, if Michigan starts to have to cheat against the run, maybe has to bring a little bit of linebacker pressure, that would make it really, really hard to stop Bowers. I mean, I think the good news there, I agree, Alex. The good news is, I mean, Michigan's gotten pressure with four without much trouble against everybody, right? Like Ohio State had the highest rated offensive line coming into the the game, and we all know what happened there. So I I don't think Michigan – or Georgia's offensive line, I'm not going to disrespect them, but they're probably – I can't imagine they're better than Ohio State's. Um, so I would expect, you know, to see the usual amount of pressure from Michigan, which, I mean, I would love it if it was a repeat of the Ohio State game and we got four sacks all at key moments. Not guaranteed. Uh, I do think, like, the, the coverage puzzle with the linebackers is a really interesting one for Michigan because linebacker play is still, I would say, probably our weakness on defense. And, you know, <sighs> I, I, you know, one, one scenario where Michigan wins this game is if Michael Barrett just has the game of his life covering tight ends, which I'm not ruling out. I like him as a player, but I, the linebackers are kind of a puzzle to me. I it's, they're going to have to really, really ball out in this one. Yeah. Cause you also got to ask yourself, who do you lift in that situation? Or are you taking out Josh Ross who's the weakest linebacker in coverage, but the best against the run? Uh, are you taking out junior Colson? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they try to approach this both from a personnel and schematic standpoint. 
Yeah, I think it will be important to have Ross out there for getting the defense organized, calling audibles. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's going to be his toughest assignment in covering Bowers and yeah, Washington downfield. Yeah, and this is another area where um, if unfortunately if Dax is out, that really does hurt there. Yes. Um, not because Dax would necessarily be covering tight ends, but um, because that then takes it where you then have to reorganize the defense and you are probably, I mean, where you might have um, Hawkins covering a tight end because uh, he's like your most physical guy. You might have to move him out to, you know, more of a true safety position um, and, you know, sw- like flip it around so that you've got, you know, whoever your third safety is, is playing in, in place of uh, Dax. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't see a situation where the, Georgia's tight ends don't eat. Um, the, 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 the key is going to be like, you know, sort of doing a Bill Belichick move where it's like, let's get, let's let the tight end get his and let's focus on shutting down everyone else kind of thing. Um, and I mean, the, the biggest key here is just going to be pressure. I mean, I think that Georgia's offensive line is right up there with Ohio States, I think in terms of, uh, maybe not in terms of their rating, but I think in terms of like most of their metrics, it is, um, you know, they have, they, Michigan's pass rush is definitely going to be the most. Well, uh, to be fair, I guess Alabama has probably one of the best pass rushers in the country. So, you know, at least on par. Yeah, but we have the right. best. <laughs> right, yeah. We do have the best. That's true. And, and, Michigan um, and Alabama and Alabama Right. And and Alabama did well, right? So I mean, that's like a good sign, you know. Yes. Um so so I would say that like it's going to be about like they're not going to maybe stop like just completely stone this offense down to down. Like this is a very good offense. This is the second best offense Michigan has played all year. Um, but similar to Ohio State, like they're going to have to get sacks and big plays and, you know, and, 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 uh, and sacks, big plays, you know, whatever, like explosives in critical moments. Um, and then, you know, hopefully just, you know, like if, if the receiver like catches it for 10 yards, like awesome, let's keep that to 12 instead of like 30, you know. Um, oh, sorry, I almost I muted myself there for a second. But, you know, keep it, uh, keep this as like, keep the game in front of you make them like win down to down consistently um, kind of just try to repeat the Ohio state game plan and adjust it for the fact that, you know, Georgia's offense is a little bit more, a little bit more balanced and Ohio state's was more, uh, you know, like passing focused. I just want to say, I think it's interesting from the point of view, like this is maybe, this is one of the most Michigan like offenses Michigan has seen this year in the sense that it's a run first team that has still has a lot of weapons in the passing game plays with multiple tight ends, often has three tight ends in the field, something that Jim Harbaugh also likes to do, um, and relies on its quarterback to be not not purely a game manager, but mostly to avoid negative plays and make good decisions. Um, and I, I think just to circle back to where we started, like if there's good news for Michigan, I think by far the best news might be that Stetson Bennett is just measurably a lot worse at handling pressure and chaos than Cade McNamara is because both quarterbacks are going to see a ton of pressure. I think that's inevitable. And in a scenario where Michigan wins, it might be that Stetson Bennett just makes more mistakes and takes more sacks than Cade. I think it'll be interesting to see if we um, get any JT Daniels in this game, former USC transfer, lost the job to Bennett, um, theoretically a higher upside player, but he hasn't really played much over the second half of the season. So um, yeah, if, if Bennett is under fire and just starts playing bad, I mean, I wonder if that's an option for Kirby to try to turn to the backup QB. Seems like it would be a desperation move for me, yeah. but a lot of Georgia fans have been calling for it. So who knows? I mean, I feel like 
you know, I posted Stetson Bennett's splits against pressure and what he's kept clean uh, in the newsletter, which you all should read um, uh, early this morning uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday night. And um, they're very different, obviously. Uh, he is way, way worse when pressured than kept clean, even compared to normal quarterback splits. Uh, just for example, his completion percentage drops from uh, 71 to 30. Um, but I think, you know, going to Daniel's, if you're doing that, it's going to be because Bennett is under pressure, and that is an offensive line issue more than it is a quarterback issue with the way that Bennett plays because he gets the ball out pretty quick um, or is able to extend plays when they're blocking well. Um, but if they're going to Daniels, I feel like that's addressing not the root of the problem because that problem is going to be on the offensive line. Um, and I do have some optimism that Michigan is going to be able to generate some pressure uh, Georgia is kind of the inverse of Ohio State's line. Ohio State's problem was they were playing tackles everywhere. Um, Georgia has a bunch of uh, NFL-level players, but they're, they're kind of all project to guard. Uh, both of their starting tackles are 6'4". Uh, they're not, they've been good, not great as pass protectors. And when they went up, Against Alabama, Stetson Bennett dropped back 53 times and was pressured on 15 of those. And Alabama was actually a little unfortunate, I would say, to convert only three of those 15 pressures into sacks. But Bennett threw two picks. He had two more turnover-worthy plays um, and was not really able to take advantage of um, you know Alabama getting pressure and, and trying to find receivers downfield didn't matter that much that Pickens was it back in the game. So, I mean, I, I think there's a, a chance here where Michigan's pass rush ends up creating the turnovers that can help swing this game uh, if they're able to do anything on offense. But um, I, I do think this is maybe a little bit better of a matchup for Michigan's defense than uh, they've been given credit for, at least by the line that has been hanging around seven and a half or eight points. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit too. But I, I do think that, uh, I mean, Alabama had success, and I think blocking Hutchinson and Ojabo is the toughest test that that Georgia offensive line is going to face this year. Yeah, agree. Um, I think just as a general uh, summary, I, I think what this game really gets down to is finding a way to make it close deep into the third quarter and um, getting Georgia into a situation that they're not comfortable in, which is playing any kind of close game because they basically haven't done it all year. Um, and uh, I think Kirby Smart has a little bit of uh, coward in him. Um, I think he will he will clench up uh, if we can get this game, you know, close deep into the into the third quarter. Talk your shit, King. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. I think I think Kirby Smart like he also he I feel like he's a coach that very much feels pressure. And um, I think that the pressure's on George in this game. You know, this is this this is gravy for Michigan. Um, and Jim Harbaugh is playing with house money. Um, Jim Harbaugh is, you know, the talk of the town. He's, he's, he's basically bought himself another five years of goodwill, you know, barring a complete collapse. And uh, Kirby Smart is like, you know, this was the team of destiny. This was their team. They're supposed to be the best team in the country, bar none. And he just laid a complete egg uh, against, uh, like Georgia fans are livid with him, um, despite, you know, probably having the best team in the country. And uh I think Georgia plays tight and I think Michigan plays loose. And I think that could be the difference. I, I actually totally agree. Like that it's one of those things that sounds like talking head BS, but like 
It's true. And I think, you know, Kirby's very aware. Like, if they lose this game, despite being 12-2 and two and, you know, making the college football playoff, people will be calling for his head because he can't beat Bama and can't do anything in the playoff. And he knows that. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be very interesting in that regard. Um, I, yeah, I mean, well... I shouldn't. I shouldn't say what I, what I'm thinking, but uh, I think I think Michigan has more of a shot in this game than than people think. I'll just leave it at that. I, I'm going to force you to say what you're thinking at the end of our pick segment because I have just added pick the winner <laughs> straight up to it. Um, yeah, why not? Um, yeah. So I think we've got a we've laid down a lot of the keys to the game, and now by discussing some of this game's prop bets, I think we can get towards what we're really thinking um, in terms of how this game is going to play out. So our pick segment is brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are using PointsBet's uh, current prop bet odds to make some picks for this game. We've already done uh, our picks against what was at the time an eight-point line a couple weeks ago. Um, That has come down to seven and a half. But just as a reminder, um, Alex, Connor, and Dan all picked Michigan at plus eight against the spread. Uh, I went with uh, over 44 and a half as the total. and uh, yeah, um, we are now going to focus on the individual team totals, the first half point spread, and our favorite props. Um, starting with Michigan's total, uh, this one we are relatively united on. Uh, Michigan is only at over under 19, um, and that is with minus 115 odds on both of those. Um, I am picking the over. I, I, I think Michigan has... I think both are going to they're they're going to be able to stop Georgia enough to give their offense a number of opportunities, and also I believe in the um, late season offensive improvement. You know, there's been I think some real reasons to believe in that. Um, seeing the cohesion and the game plans that they've come up with, and uh, having a month to prepare for this defense, I think is is going to help this team considerably. So uh, I mean, 19 is a low total. Um, and obviously Georgia has been very, very good at holding teams below that total, but they haven't, again, second best offense they faced was Tennessee's. Um, Alex, you are the contrarian here. Yeah, part of me just wants to balance out you guys because I don't think we can come into this game too overconfident, but <laughs> I think there's a very real chance that Georgia could crumple Michigan up and throw them in a trash can. So, um, yeah, under 19. Fair. Um Connor, you're feeling the over. Yeah, it just comes down to for me. I do respect Georgia's offense, but I think Michigan just has a wildly underrated offense. And I think in a down year for kind of elite college football programs, I think Michigan right now has a top five offense. Um, And so I think that saying they're only going to score 19 in a playoff game is disrespecting Michigan a little bit. So, yeah, go blue. All right, Dan. Yeah, um, I think speci- actually I have a little bit more analysis on this. I think that uh, the metrics that Vegas uses to determine um, over-unders uh, are a little bit flawed for Michigan because Michigan does a really good job just um, 
game planning, uh, specific, you know, specifically in big games, I feel like Michigan more than a lot of teams, like really does turn their offense on when they need it. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think Michigan will go over 19, not too far over, but I just feel like, you know, they'll have enough trick play. They'll have enough just legitimate success and then enough like uh, trick plays and like new looks and whatever to, um, you know, score like at least 20 points. All right. That's going to be key because the over under for Georgia is set at 26 and a half, um, which uh, you may have noticed is seven and a half points more than Michigan, which is what the point spread is right now. Uh, we are united on this one uh, in taking the under. I, I mean, we have discussed this matchup for Michigan's defense a fair amount. And I, the more I looked at Georgia's offensive line, who they've faced, um, how they fared protecting quarterbacks and how Stetson Bennett has done when under pressure, the more I think that Ojabo and Hutchinson can really be game wreckers here. Georgia pretty much grinds out four, four and a half yards of carry uh, against elite defenses or high level defenses, no matter who it is. It, it just, um, it's very consistent, but it's not very explosive. And I think they're going to have to go to the air. And when they do go to the air, uh, we'll see the, this may change if Dax Hill is unavailable, but I think um, Michigan, you know, if they could shut down Ohio State's passing attack to the extent that they did, uh, I think they can get to Stetson Bennett and uh, hopefully force enough turnovers to keep them below this number. Alex, uh, this is where you're showing your belief in Michigan. Yeah, I, 26 and a half points. That seems a little high to me. Um, I don't think Georgia will be able to run the ball on Michigan super effectively. And you know, if, if the game comes down to Stetson Bennett withstanding a pass rush from Hutchison and Ojabo to make throws downfield, I like Michigan's odds of holding Georgia below their average scoring amount. All right, Connor. Yeah, I'm not a huge believer in the Georgia offense, and I may have to eat crow on that. Um, fully prepared to do so, but you know, they're—I said this earlier—they're kind of like a version of Michigan with, with some more talent in some areas less talent others and a quarterback who is probably less suited to this defense heavy game that we're going to be seeing. So kind of like what Alex said, I, I just expect Setson Bennett to be running for his life in a way that he's unfamiliar with, even after playing Alabama. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Georgia uh, compensates for that. And, you know, they might, but I'm skeptical. All right. Finally, Dan. Um, I'm going to go under for the specifically just for the reason that uh, I think that, uh, I think that their offense is not as good as Ohio State's, and uh, we held Ohio State to 27. Um, so my my analysis doesn't go that much deeper. Uh, I just, I mean, I think it's it's very possible that you know George comes in with a great game plan. I mean, this is I see some people saying that you know this is like I saw like oh this is Wisconsin with better talent, and that's just not true. Hmm. I mean, this is this is a very good offense, you know. Um, but I feel like you know I feel like Michigan. You know, Stetson Bennett is very susceptible to sucking under pressure and Michigan's going to put him under pressure. And, um, you know, I know I'm going over with over with Michigan's total and under with Georgia's total. But like, I'm not I'm not saying like Michigan's definitely going to win this game. I just think they're going to make it a close game, you know, Um, and I think that means they hold them under twenty six and a half. Yeah, I am with you on both of those picks, so I'm feeling similarly, and I am going to force you guys to cough up a straight-up winner at the end of this, as I said earlier. Um, We will get halfway there, uh, sort of, by discussing the first half point spread, uh, which has been set on points bet at Michigan plus four, um, and they're getting 
slightly more favorable odds than Georgia. Michigan is minus 110. Georgia at minus four is minus 121. Uh, so you may want to, well, yeah, that number may move. So if you're looking at Georgia there, you may want to grab it now. Um, and if you're looking at Michigan, you may want to wait a moment. Uh, I've got Michigan. I, I just, I continue to think this is going to be a tight game. I also think there's a chance that um, Michigan comes out, surprises Georgia early with their ability to get a pass rush, creates that kind of early Stetson Bennett turnover uh, before Georgia settles into this game. Um, we've talked about how loose this team is, how they don't have, uh, you know, as much to lose. And I, um, I, I do kind of believe a little bit that, that Michigan will come out. Um, I think they'll come out with a great scripted drive uh, and we'll see how it goes from there. But I, I think this game is going to take a little while to get going. And because of that, I'd rather have the points in this situation. Alex, you've got uh, the other side. Yeah, this was a, a pick that was very much based on trying to balance out the energy of not having us all pick Michigan. Um, so I'm going to say that Georgia is going to take a 10 to three lead into halftime. And a lot of people are going to say that we need to play JJ McCarthy more in the second half. Fair. Um, Connor. I really want to say that I appreciate Alex and his bilious humors uh, sort of being the sin eater of the picks here. We need, we need someone to do it. So I, I appreciate it. I mean, for real, I actually do appreciate it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, wait I, for my next prop because that will uh, yeah. definitely surprise you then. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, for me, yeah, I, I, I like Michigan's chances in this game. And for me, that's enough to think that it's going to be less than a four point Georgia lead at halftime. I also think this is a game where I, I don't expect – I'd be surprised if either team separated themselves too much until fairly late in this one. Um, yeah, that's just an easy pick for me. All right, Dan? Um, yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm i going with Michigan here because um, I think that – I think Michigan could still – you know, I, I think that they will start the game faster than Georgia. I think the team that – comes out tight tends to uh, start a little bit slower, a little bit more nervous. Um, so yeah, I could see like Michigan with a small lead at half or potentially, um, you know, like uh, down 13, 10 or something like that. All right. We are almost united in thinking that this is going to be uh, Michigan within a field goal or so at halftime. Finally, we went through the um, full list of props. There were way too many to go through all of them. Um, and we each chose our favorite bet uh, among these. And these may go uh, a little bit counter to what we said above, since um, a lot of these have relatively long odds, so they can either kind of act as hedges or just, you know, throw a couple bucks something on some something. And if you hit it, then wonderful. And if not, you didn't risk a whole lot. Um, although mine is more of a, you know, closer to even odds thing. I, I like on points bet... Um, the either team by seven points or less uh, prop bet, which has odds of plus 160. Um, as we've said a lot on, on this podcast, we kind of expect a close game. And this provides a leeway for both teams uh, to win and win by a, a touchdown and have that bet still hit. And at, at plus 160, I, I like getting plus odds on that and significantly into the plus odds. So uh, if I'm going to, throw money on a prop that is probably going to be the one I'll choose. Although I might also dabble in one of these uh, longer odd props just uh, for the fun of it. Alex, you have the longest shot of all of us. 
Yeah, at plus 550, I'm taking Michigan by 11 plus. So the composite of my picks up to this um, kind of forecasts a close, low-scoring game um, that Georgia could win, you know, very likely. But uh, they did lose to Alabama by 17, and Michigan is playing its best football of the season. I think there is a set of outcomes that are possible that include Michigan getting off to a fast start, potentially opening up a big lead. And uh, at plus 550, those are pretty decent odds for what would be considered a blowout win by Michigan. Obviously, that's the outcome I want to happen. Um, would probably require quite a few big plays, but I think it's possible for sure. Might only need a couple big plays with the way this game may play out. Uh Connor and Dan, you both have very similar. <laughs> you, you both went with the same prop, but Connor went uh, slightly more bold. <laughs> well, Dan, Dan stole my like he got his picks in first. I was going to do the the five touchdowns, um, exactly five touchdowns. I I went with exactly six touchdowns instead, which is plus three sixty, because like I genuinely think that both teams will score at least twenty one points in this game. Um, I feel fairly strongly about that, and so whatever i'll predict that it's like 21 to 27 or whatever you know dan i I went with exactly (laughs) yeah exactly five touchdowns because that seems that just seems right um this seems like a game that will be uh what was that doing quick math here um like 21 to 17 one way or the other kind of thing um yeah exactly five touchdowns originally i was like oh exactly three touchdowns that seems right um that was by the way exactly five touchdowns is plus 350 exactly three touchdowns is like plus 600 but then i realized i couldn't hit exactly three touchdowns and the over uh michigan point total and the under georgia point total it's like a very, <laughs> that's a very tight needle to thread so um i'm going with exactly five touchdowns <laughs> i mean it's also worth saying that like People expect a low-scoring game, but it's like, when's the last time in college football that two legit, clearly top five teams played each other and only three touchdowns were scored? That just, like, doesn't happen anymore, you know? Um, You mean Wisconsin-Penn State was not a legit top five? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, hey, with Penn State-Iowa, there were tons of touchdowns scored for whatever hideous reason. (laughs) Um, I also, before we leave this, I want to shout out Alex because I was just, like, teasing him a little bit about the black bile in his humors, but uh, he, he went the optimistic route and I respect that. Actually, if I'd seen that earlier, I might've stolen that from him. So kudos. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, making myself extremely happy and then also hitting big on it with a bet would be, uh, would be pretty phenomenal. And I, there, there is, uh, you know, I, I could see, especially if the like Stetson Bennett getting pressured and breaking down scenario plays mm-hmm. out, you know, could see Michigan getting a late touchdown that, that, puts them up by two scores and all of a sudden uh, that bet cashes. Yeah. I promise that like my overall relative to pessimism, isn't some sort of elaborate emotional hedge where it's like, well, I can't be disappointed if I'm already expecting the worst. Um, Georgia is favored by what seven and a half right now. So they are solid favorites, but yeah, Michigan's covered the point spread 11 out of 13 times this year. I think Michigan's going to cover again and yeah, could, I, I expect it to be a close game, but the blowout outcome feeling really good into heading it into a title game against Cincinnati could be Jim raising the crystal football at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this heading into the Ohio state game, but once you got a line um, creeping down around one score, it's, you know, uh, even if that's giving you one out of four chances of victory, that's uh, 
not insignificant, especially when you're talking about the chance to play for a national title. And on that note, it's time to pick the one you're straight up. Uh, I'm just going to go in the order we've written these down in the notes. So, Connor, we'll start with you. So what I was a little bit afraid to say earlier, but Ace is giving me courage. I do think Michigan's going to win this game. Um, I mean, in actuality, I'd say it's roughly like a toss-up type game. Uh, I just think that, you know, I'm going to steal a little bit from Dan. Like, I just think Georgia will be tighter. I also think Georgia might pull in Ohio State and be surprised when Michigan hits them in the mouth. And even if this game goes poorly, I think Michigan will. I know Michigan will be incredibly physical on both sides of the ball. And Georgia, I mean, you know, if they're being coached well, they won't be surprised at how talented Michigan is. But I don't know. The SEC teams, they love to get high on their own supply, um, despite being unable to win a bowl game this year, it seems like, uh, as a conference and all of that. I, I, I feel a Michigan win here. I won't be heartbroken or shocked if they lose. Um, but, you know, you got to pump it up. Don't you know? Pump it up. <laughs> uh, hail to the victors and go blue, baby. Alex? Uh, yeah, I'm taking Georgia. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, fair. Entirely fair. Uh, so, so what is, how does the, um, how does the uh, Georgia win by, but uh, Michigan by 11 plus? Uh, what, how does that? That's called that a hedge. Get yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a hedge. And yeah, I'm, I mean, plus 550, if you throw, you know, money on Georgia to win straight up a hedge against it. You're, I don't know, you're leveraged into an okay position, but yeah, I think ultimately Georgia's defense, Michigan is not really built to exploit their biggest weaknesses. I don't think so. Um, And Georgia does play pretty stable mistake-free football themselves. So I think, yeah, low scoring game. I think Georgia will win, but I think there's an okay chance that Michigan could open up a big lead and, and run away with it a little bit. All right, Dan, you're going off a uh, you're going off a of feels for this one. Yeah, um, I'm just going off of. I feel like uh, this is the first time in the last. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, like as long as I've been watching, honestly, that it really feels like the pressure is off of Michigan. Like they've accomplished their goals for the season, and you know, but like they're clearly still very motivated, right? I mean, this is a playoff game, so you know they're going to come in focused and and fired up, but I do feel like there's just that edge is off and, and Georgia is just like the most like on edge program in America right now. Like they, they feel like they should, they are where they should be, but they just can't get over the hump. It feels like all the pressures on them. Um, it feels like Mich- some things line up well for Michigan. It feels like Michigan's been playing really well in these big games. Um, and I, I just, I'm just going to go with Michigan to win. I mean, I don't, I don't really like when I really work it out of my head, it's tough for me to really see like how it happens, but it is easy for me to see it happening anyway. So <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, like maybe, you know, they have some success legitimately. Um, they get some key plays in high leverage situations. And then maybe they just like, I mean, you know, Michigan hasn't gotten a lot of like dumb luck this year. Maybe we just get like a couple of like stupid fumbles and like a, an easy pick six and like a special teams play. And we just like end up, you know, just, just pulling this one out somehow. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Michigan to win. Um, and I, I just want to make it clear. Like I think Georgia's overall the better team and there's absolutely like a, maybe even a, a propensity, like a, uh, a majority of outcomes where Georgia wins this game and maybe even wins it handily. But I'm just, this is how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling weirdly optimistic about this game. I think we'd be remiss. I, that was a great speech, Dan. We'd be remiss also if we said that all Michigan has to do is score a single point to be the second most successful big 10 team in the history of the college football <laughs> playoff. So <laughs> no, no. we got that going for it. 
Just need the one. Um, I have honestly been flipping back and forth here more than I thought I would. Uh, and a lot of that has had to do with looking at the matchups of Michigan's defense versus Georgia's offense. But I've also started diving into the Georgia defense versus Michigan, Michigan's offense side. And while there are some reasons for hope, it's mostly the like hope that they could be okay, not that they're going to put up a big game. And um, I just can't, I can't quite talk myself into it given the level of talent on Georgia's defense. This is not like Ohio State where they have a lot of talent, but they aren't being coached well. They aren't being utilized well. Um, they probably have the two, uh, if not best defensive players that Michigan has faced all year in um, Davis and Dean than the two that are the most impactful in their roles in college right now uh, within those schemes that they play in. And um, yeah, I, I as much as I want to pick Michigan, I, I ultimately have to side with Georgia here. Um, and part of that may be an emotional hedge, and I may still be using Alex's uh, prop pet as my real life hedge. Uh, but uh, on the record, Georgia. If you ask me on Friday, I think I'm probably picking it differently. <laughs> but uh, that's Friday me, and uh, Tuesday me is is still sticking with Georgia right now, especially with uh, Dax Hill maybe seeming like the most uncertain player at the moment for this game. Um, if if I was feeling, if I was leaning Michigan, that would be enough to to get me off of that, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think by the time kickoff rolls around, I will be believing that this team is going to win the game. Um, that This team deserves that belief. You know, they've exceeded all of our wildest dreams so far, and there's nothing that says that they can't go any further. And hey, what, 11-2 uh, and two against the spread? So, you know, good chance there. And cover that spread, and all of a sudden this game gets real, real interesting. Um, that's it for this week's show. Uh, next week we will be uh, either reacting to a glorious victory and discussing a national title game or recapping what has been a pretty amazing season. Uh, I'm also looking at some, bouncing around the idea of doing a, a Saturday show instead of an end of the week show for the bonus podcast to do a more instant recap of this game to figure out uh, which one of those I will choose. Follow at bucket problem on Twitter. Um, go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast. Rate us, review us. Um, we've been getting some uh, one-star reviews on Apple lately for people who uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say probably didn't listen to the podcast. So uh, if you want to, you know, actually say something relevant to the show, and give us a review of how you think. That would be tremendously appreciated. Um, use the promo code BucketProblem at homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code BucketProb on PointsBet to get your first deposit matched up to $1,000. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Have a great one.